Amen, amen. Well, good morning. Good to see you today. Welcome home to all of you that are here today, those online today. And we just want to start with this. Um, no one's cold today, okay? It's balmy outside. It's sunny outside. No one's freezing today. We have to tell ourselves a story today so that we're not cold today. But hey, we're glad you're here this morning. We're glad you're with us. We're wrapping up our series called Here's What Happened, and we're looking at today the Magi. If you have your Bibles and you want to go with me to Matthew chapter 2, that's where we're going to be parked at today. But we're excited. We're going to start a brand new series next week called The Important Stuff. We're going to be looking at baptism and communion and um, what it means to give and use our talents and just a bunch of different things for several weeks. But like I said, we're wrapping this up today. And I've got a question for you today as we get started. Have you ever tracked something before? Now, for some of us, Christmas is just, you know, just finished, and you're thinking, yeah, I've tracked a package before, right, or something like that, but have you ever tracked something before? Think in terms of like an animal, okay? Now, I'm not a hunter, all right, and I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express, but my, both of my boys like to hunt, and I've been watching a lot of YouTube hunting shows, okay? All right, some of you watch different things on TV. For some reason, I like to watch Buck Commander. Some of you know Adam LaRoche, who lives up the road, right? Buck Commander. And sometimes you'll watch a show and you'll see them shoot a deer. And when they shoot the deer, they'll say, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's kind of high, bro. You know, or I missed him. Okay? And a lot of times when they'll shoot this deer, if they don't drop him immediately, they have to track him. And a lot of times the deer will take off, right, several hundred yards away. And so they'll track the deer by following its blood. Okay? Sorry for those who aren't into hunting animals. I apologize for you today for this illustration. Okay? No one's laughing. All right? It's okay, guys. So they track this deer, and they'll eventually find the deer, or they won't find the deer if they totally missed it. I was thinking about that, because can you imagine tracking something, not a hundred yards, not a few hundred yards, but a few hundred miles? I mean, imagine doing that. And the Magi, in the story that we're looking at today, they did just that. They weren't tracking a deer, they were tracking the Messiah, and they tracked him following a star, not blood, but following a star, 900 miles. That's quite a ways. So a few things we need to know about the wise men or the magi today as we get into this. Some of you have nativity sets at home or you've watched the movie. And oftentimes there's some misconceptions about the magi that we want to remind everybody of. And You know, it's a common misconception that the wise men visited Jesus on the night of his birth. The truth is, is the, that the wise men came days, months, or maybe even a year or two later. That's why we're talking about it today. We see that in Matthew 2.11, where it says that the wise men visited and worshiped Jesus in a house, right? Not in a cave or a manger. And we know that the Magi were wise men that were from the east, most likely Persia, but no one knows for sure, which we think of today as modern-day Iran, and this means, as I mentioned earlier, they probably traveled, tracked Jesus about eight to 900 miles. Really, the only legitimate facts that we know about these particular magi, the very few that are given, are found in Matthew versus uh, the first chapter of Matthew, second chapter of Matthew. And people assume that these three wise men, that there was three wise men because there was three gifts, right? Gold, frankincense, and... Myrrh, if you know, right? 
We think of there being three wise men, but the reality is the Bible does not say that there were only three wise men. There could have been many more. And we don't, there's no way of knowing for sure. So with that in mind, we're going to look at the story of, of uh, the Magi visiting Jesus in Matthew chapter 2. Here's how it goes, okay? Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the region of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, and they were asking this question, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star, right, as it rose, and we have come to do what? To worship him. So we see right out of the gate there what their intentions are. Now, if you study the Magi at all, just historically, they were known for the occult. They were known for sorcery. We don't know specifically if these Magi were connected to that, but we do know that that was their history. And yet, in the midst of all of that, they were familiar with the prophecy. And they said, we have saw his star as it rose, and we've come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem, and he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you, let's read it, who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Well, then Herod, he calls a private meeting with the wise men, and he learns from them the time when the star first appeared. And then he tells them something. He says, listen, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too, which we know wasn't the case. That's not what he was, he was trying to trick them. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem and went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. Can you imagine taking this trek, you know, going this far and eventually getting to the place where the star is over the child? And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down. And what did they do, church? They worshiped him. And then they opened their treasure chest and gave him, let's read it, gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, remember what King Herod had asked them to do. He says, listen, once you see the child, bring him, you know, tell me where he's at. Come by and tell me where he's at. But that's not what the Holy Spirit prompted them to do. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. Let's read it. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So today, there's some observations that we can look at today. I've got five thoughts for us this morning. Um, and really look at the Magi and, and what we can learn from them today. First is that they, re- they read and they believed God's word. In fact, when they're talking to Herod, they quoted Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Remember what I just read? He's talking to Herod. He says, but listen, Micah 5, 2, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrath, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf. As, you were, as I was studying for this message today, um, I read about the fact that most likely the Magi knew of the writings of the prophet Daniel, um, who in time past had been the chief of the court seers in Persia, where the Magi were most likely from. And listen to Daniel chapter 25, because it includes a prophecy which gives them a timeline of the birth of Christ. Listen to this. And most likely this, the Magi were familiar with this passage of scripture. 
Now listen and understand. Seven sets of seven, which is 49 years, plus 62 sets of seven, which is 434 years, will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, comes. That's a total of 483 years on the lunar calendar. Why Why does that matter? Well, the Magi, Magi most likely knew this prophecy, maybe did some figuring similar to something like this, maybe. And obviously no one can know times and dates, but with this knowledge, like this prophecy, along with the fact that they saw the star in the east. And also, when you read about it, they were most likely familiar with Daniel's teaching. So you combine all of these things, and it prompted the the Magi to say, let's go, right? And they traveled eight to 900 miles. The truth is, you probably don't travel around 900 miles from home if you don't have some faith in the prophecy and some belief that God set that star in the sky. Amen? And so I share that with you today, that following Jesus requires faith. Amen? In fact, say that with me. Following Jesus requires faith, not just for the Magi then, but for us now. Hebrews 11.6 tells us that it is impossible to please God without, if you know it, say it, faith, right? It is impossible to please God without faith. And anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So the question I have today is, are you and I following Jesus? And if we don't trust him, here's the teeth today. You ready for the teeth of the thought this morning? If you don't trust him, then you aren't really following him. It's the truth this morning. Right? Following Christ leads to action. Right? We've all heard the saying, talk is cheap, right? People say things all the time. I've told my oldest son as he's getting ready to go to school, you don't pay attention to what people say, you pay attention to what they do. Right? It wasn't enough for the Magi just to say, yeah, we've heard this prophecy of Daniel or we've read the Old Testament and, you know, that's one thing, but to, to go, to go and see, that requires faith. Is there an area of your life that God is calling you to trust him with even more? Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe God is calling you to trust him with your kids. Maybe God is calling you to trust him with his finances. Maybe God is calling you to some type of action, right? We keep saying the right things, but maybe God is calling us to go and to do something. They read and they believe God's word enough to to go 900 miles. Another thing that's important is that they sought Jesus, right? Tomorrow's New Year's Day. We're all, I don't know if you are, but people think about resolutions, right? New Year's resolution. There are more treadmills bought at the 1st of January and sold in rummage sales by the spring in April, right? Everybody starts with good intentions. But here's a new, res, new Year's resolution I think all of us could focus on. What if we just sought Jesus with everything that we had this year? We see them seeking Jesus in this story. They sought him. And when you think about it, to seek something implies focus and intentionality and direction and being purposeful in your pursuit, right? 
I tend to lose stuff sometimes. And anybody else that way? Yeah. How many of you get annoyed by people that lose stuff all the time? Anybody in here like that? Okay, just a couple telling the truth, okay? But sometimes, I won't say who, but there's someone in my house that tends to lose their keys. Now, that's the one thing. There's a few things I don't lose very often. I don't lose my keys, okay, because I know where they go. I put them right on. I don't lose my watch because I always leave it charged, right? I don't usually lose my phone too much. But there might be somebody in our house that tends to lose their keys because they put them in different places, and it doesn't bother me at all, right? (laughs) It's not annoying at all. And so when you've lost something and you're in a hurry, maybe to get to school or to get to work, wherever it might be, there's a difference between seeking for something, Mike, and looking for something. You know what I'm saying, right? Like looking, you know, it's like when your wife takes you to the mall and you're bored, so you might just be looking around or whatever, and someone comes over and they're like, can I help you? No, no, just kind of looking, right? And then there's like when my wife sends me to the grocery store, I'm not getting all these things. I'm getting the one thing that she asked me to get, and I'm seeking it. Anybody agree with me on that? Right? Or you're trying to find your keys at home or something. You're not looking for them. There's a desperation about it. I want to get in and get out. I want to find this bread and get out of here, right? Folks, they were seeking Jesus. They were being intentional to seek something. What about us? In our life, think about this. Humor me for a second. Are we just kind of looking for Jesus, right? I come to church, maybe pay my tithe, right? I'll greet at the door, you know, mark that off the list. I kind of, you know, if someone's going through a hard time at work, you know, well, prayer is your way, buddy, you know, thinking positive vibes towards you, you know, praying for you, right? Versus waking up every day seeking the Lord and saying, God, would you show me more of who you are today? Help me to be more like you. David writes in Psalm 105, 4, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually. Let me read that again. We don't have that on the screen. Psalm 105, 4, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually. Isn't that good? The bottom line is the Magi sought Jesus then, and we're called to seek Jesus now. Amen? We're very familiar with Solomon's word in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in some of your ways or all of your ways, right? All of your ways, submit to him, and he promises to make your path. It doesn't say crooked, for, right? Maybe for those who maybe aren't familiar with the verse, it says straight. There's an element to following God that requires faith. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Here's the recipe, guys. Trust in the Lord, right, with all your heart. There's a difference between a cup of flour and a fourth a cup of flour, right? It doesn't say some of your heart or a little of your heart. It says exactly all your heart and all your ways submit to him. Listen to this. This is good. All your heart, all your ways, all your heart, all your ways. Say it with me. All your heart, all your ways. And then there's a promise at the very end. If we do that, he will make our path straight. So the question today is, how much of our heart and how much of our ways 
Are we seeking him? Another thing that we can notice from this passage, not only did they seek Jesus, but they also recognized the worth of Christ, right? As I mentioned earlier, the Magi were most likely familiar with the teachings of the prophet Daniel. Daniel was believed to be from the area that the Magi were from. An article that I read suggested that the Magi respected Daniel and his teachings about Christ. Is that true? I'm not sure, but they believed enough in the God that Daniel served to trek 900 miles. They saw the worth in the prophecies through the Old Testament. They saw the worth in the star. They saw the worth in Christ, and all of that led them to action, as we talked about earlier. So here's a question, right? Do our actions reveal that we have faith in Christ, right? It's one thing to say what we believe, but what do our actions indicate about what we believe? The Magi's actions culminated with finally meeting the baby Jesus and then falling down and worshiping him. Here's a question. What would your grandkids or your kids or your nieces and nephews say about what your actions reveal about your faith in Christ? (laughs) It's a question, isn't it? Do we follow Christ? Do we recognize his worth? We also see that they humble themselves to worship Jesus, right? We see them bowing down, humbling themselves. We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Here's the truth today. We all worship. Did you know that? We all worship. Every one of us worships. The question isn't do we worship? The question is who or what do we worship, right? This is heavy. It's supposed to be Christmas break or New Year's, right? New Year's Eve tonight. But I would ask you that question. What do you worship? If we worship something or someone other than Jesus, then we worship a false idol. Truth. The Ten Commandments starts off talking about putting God over anything and anyone. Jesus reiterates it by saying, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The Magi didn't passively worship Jesus out of convenience. They acted Think about that. They acted out of worship. They made the trip. As I mentioned earlier, our actions are important. They don't save us. Our actions don't save us. In fact, I just want to stop with that today because sometimes when you're visiting with people, sometimes inside the church, but but outside the church too, well, you know, he was a pretty good person. He was pretty good. He helped a lot of people. He gave a lot of money to help a lot of people. And that's good, right? And our actions reflect that Jesus is in our heart. We're not saved by our works, but we are saved to do good works. But the reality is none of us are good. Our works don't save us. That's why we need Jesus. They don't save us, but they do tell of our faith or the lack thereof at times. Do your actions indicate that you worship Christ first. They humble themselves to worship Jesus. What about in our lives? Is there an area of pride 
that you have in your life, an area that maybe God is trying to talk to you about, and you're struggling to just surrender that over to Christ, can I tell you that God's not going to stop on that issue? He's going to continue to try to, to talk to you about that issue so that you can seek him. And then remember the story. They obeyed God rather than man, right? Remember the story there where he says, listen, Herod goes, hey, I want you to come back and tell me about, about this Jesus. But we know from Scripture that Herod had plans to kill Jesus, right? And God warns them in a dream. In fact, Matthew 2.12 says, when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. See, following God requires faith, but it also requires obedience. Amen? It requires obedience. In John 14, Jesus is explaining the way to the Father, and in verse 15, he says, if you love me, If you know it, say it with me. If you love me, you will obey my commandments, right? In other words, there's a connection with love and obedience. Jesus is saying, look, if you love me, then you will obey my commandments. Here's the other thing that's a little bit challenging. How do we know how to obey God's commandments if we don't know his word? So a question I would have for all of us as we think about this new year is, do you have a Bible reading plan that you're on, that you're involved in in some way? Maybe you've got the Bible app on your phone, or maybe you like, some people like to read. I kind of, I read off my phone too, but I like just reading the hardback Bible. Is there, is there a plan that you have? Do you have a strategy, right? I remember one time talking to a group, and I'm like, hey, man, love to do this. And this is when I was younger, and a guy looked at me, and he goes, that's great. That's cool. What's your strategy? That's a good question. I want to read the Bible through in a year. That's great. What's your strategy? Right? I'd like to know God's word better. I'd like to know what it says about this or that. Awesome. What's your plan to make that happen? I know Pastor Adam's got a lot of material on reading the Bible, and you're going to hear a little bit more about it as we get closer to Pray 21 this year. Pray 21 is something we do. I think it's the third week of January. It runs three weeks, and it's a time for us to fast over different things that are going on in our lives, different burdens that we have. It's a, it's a time each day to, to pray and to get into God's word. But the reality is that shouldn't just be a January thing. That's something we should be doing all the time. So here's a question. What area of your life is God calling you to trust him? What area of your life is God calling you to obey or maybe even to mind him? I remember when I was a kid listening to my, one of my, somebody I looked up to in the church saying, Kyle, you need to mind the Lord. I remember thinking like, what? Right? We don't, we don't like authority. We don't like being told to mind someone, right? Especially as an adult. Our pride and independence gets threatened. But the truth is living for Jesus, it goes beyond being right and being in charge, it goes to this place of submitting ourselves. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Is there an area in your life that you haven't been minding the Lord on? You haven't been listening to his voice, right? Parents, right? Have you ever told your kid, why aren't you listening to me? You know, 
Why don't you listen? One time I was playing golf and my father-in-law says, why do you keep doing that? I told you, you need to do this. I'm like, stop yelling at me, first of all. And secondly, show me. It's like you keep doing the same thing. You keep casting your club clear over the top. Keep it close to your body. Listen to what I'm telling you. It's going to help. Thank you for that. I'm glad you're here, Mark. Appreciate that. (laughs) Right? But we have these areas in our life that God is calling us to mind him with, to be obedient to him about. Listen to what John 3.30 says. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Talk about a scripture we could focus on this year. John 3.30. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Say that with me. He must become greater and greater, and I must become. It's talking about coming under the authority of the Lord, right? The Magi could have disobeyed what was told them in the dream, and they could have went back another way. They could have went back the way they came. But they didn't. They came under the authority of God and did as he said, and they went a different route. What about us? Do we follow where God sends us? Do we listen to his voice? As our band comes up this morning, I want to just ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. I want us to think about this. Is there an area in your life that God is asking you to be obedient? Is there an area in your life that God is calling you to action? could be something as simple as talking to your neighbor about your faith. It could be serving in some way. It could be surrendering a sin that you've been plagued with. It could be something God's calling you to do that seems a little crazy. Maybe God's calling you to do something that just seems far out there. And every time you talk to the Lord about it, it just keeps coming back the same thing. What would faithfulness look like today for you? Maybe it's a yes. Maybe it's saying no to something that you want to say yes to. Maybe it's surrendering to the plan that God has over the plan that you would like. Maybe it's just being faithful How about this? Maybe he's calling us to be more self-disciplined this year and just reading his word and spending time in prayer. Let's just take like 30 seconds today before Garrett and the band start in. And let's just talk to the Lord and ask him, God, how can I be more faithful?